This week we read The Five Orange Pips. Pip, pip. You're dead! Game is afoot, all my buddies. Welcome back to the final Podblum, the only Sherlock Holmes read-through podcast that really wants to catfish David Duke right now. Uh, I, for my part, am your host, Casey Hills. Joining me, as always, is old Knickknack Paddywhack Cohen. And joining us today, on this, our (laughs) tenth episode spectacular, is uh, our very first guest star. Who's joining us here today? Hi, that's me. It's Dylan. I, what, are you, uh, what, are you, what are you from? I run a podcast <laughs> called Dyson Virtue. I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> what ha- what we, happens on we it? We play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, a guy with a rifle gets in a lot of trouble, and then uh, uh, a hobbit and a, a, a lady who spent her college years working for Habitat for Humanity have to go solve the problem that the guy with the rifle made. That is the most misleading yet technically accurate description of what we do on that show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you for not highlighting all the extremely poor decisions I make on that show to the point where it may very well be called the, impre- the increasingly poor decisions of Mahabit Ali. Yeah. Mahabit Ali. Yeah. Okay, so this week uh, we read The Five Orange Pips, and boy howdy... Was was this a story? I, listeners, sure is. You may you may or may not remember, but when we when we landed on this one for our first guest episode with with Dylan, Nick said, "Whatever you think is going to happen in this story, you are wrong," and he was correct <laughs> about that. Yeah. So, I I specifically called this this story out because it's the first Sherlock Holmes story I ever read. Right, uh-huh. I had been exposed to the idea of Sherlock Holmes because I love detect- sure. detective fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you love detective references. Yeah, you love noticing uh, shit. That's also true. Um, <laughs> A bug. Good day. But, <laughs> four dots. That means. Um, but yeah, so he, so so I read this. I was like, oh, Sherlock Holmes. Maybe I should get into that. And this is the one that I picked up, and I flipped to it and went. So it was just random, like, you just flipped through a copy, and just, this is the one you landed on? Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's weird, who, who mails somebody some orange pips, what? Uh, and then, uh, it started getting into the, the subject matter of this story, which I'm sure we'll get to as well, uh, (laughs) and I, that was when I realized that Sherlock Holmes was real as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Like, ain't playing. Cause, because, all of the, all of the depictions of Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. that I've ever seen, right? Mm-hmm. Not that I've ever seen now, but like that I had yeah. seen up to this point are like the goofy sort of thing or like, you know, it's, it's very much Sherlock Holmes for kids is yeah, what it right. was because yeah. I picked this up when I was in middle school or high school or something. Mm-hmm. Um, your wishbone and such. And so to like, to, to have this idea of Sherlock Holmes as like, oh yeah, world's greatest detective, really cool dude. Uh, and then he's just like, oh, by the way, I'm going to fight the KKK. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, sweet. <laughs> it's pretty good. I love hearing people's conceptions of what they think Holmes is going to be like. And then immediately after they read one story being like, oh, I was actually really wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And 
this this story was even surprising me reading it now because Holmes in the stories is like okay the the major depictions that people know right mm. Benedict Cumberbatch Robert Downey Jr. whoever they Basil of Baker Street they get yeah they get uh well Basil top notch right uh <laughs> right. Every, everybody loves Basil top shelf. Ba- Basil yeah. Rathbone um but I like how somehow you didn't even mention him at first, but yeah, I was like, well, well, because I'm saying like the the depictions that people know, right? Oh, like that oh, anybody like walking down, people. oh yeah, yeah got anybody it. walking down the street yeah. knows Benedict Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. knows Robert Downey Jr., mm-hmm. Basil Rathbone. That's a little bit of a deep cut, right? Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. the the depictions that everybody knows are really good at nailing Holmes as an asshole, and he is, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, like there are parts of even this story where he's actually just like a very gracious person when he has a client come in and he's just like oh yeah mm-hmm. no put your coat up it'll be dry in a minute tell me what happened mm-hmm. uh and like he actually seems like he genuinely cares for a minute yeah mm-hmm. and whether or not that's an act i guess is up to the the person portraying them or the writer the the team of writers handling him at any right. given time mm-hmm. but uh that's that's one thing about the stories that i i don't think a lot of popular Sherlock Holmes fiction tends to nail is that mm-hmm. Holmes is actually not that much of a dick all the time. He's not. His his portrayal in in film and television media is consistently that of a bunny ears rabbit. Mean or bunny ears lawyer, rather. Um meaning that he is so good at what he does that he's worth putting up with his behavior for. Like like Gregory House or something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. House is a House is a great example of a bunny ears lawyer. Um, but yeah, that's, that's actually been a recurring theme in the stories. Just even the handful that we've read is that while he can be kind of brusque in his interpersonal whatnot, and certainly in, in the solving of his crimes, the execution of his duties, he is ruthless and, and without fear or limit. Like when it comes to his business, like the, the client side of things, he is unfailingly professional and courteous and, and takes like a professional pride in it. And that is really cool to see because it's this whole other skill set. Like you, you like to think like he read like all the etiquette books one day, and then he just knew how to be a good host. <laughs> he just memorized <laughs> the subroutines like data, <laughs> just download them into his mind. All right, this is how normal people act. Got it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He had lunch with Emily Post one day. Yeah. In his private life, just chooses to disregard those the the, mm. the rules. Right. All social. He knows them, out the window. Yeah. But. Nah. Yeah, yeah. It's too much just to work. turn those subroutines off. Just take those settings. Just click the button left mm-hmm. and take your pants off metaphorically. <laughs> so, this case, uh, this story starts as a, a great many of them do, and I think it was a trope that Doyle particularly enjoyed, where it, it begins with with Watson in World listing off that in the past however many years, Holmes has been super busy with all of these cases that he can make sound as weird and as cool as he wants because he knows he'll never have to write them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or if he does ever write them, he can just make them weird and people are going to buy them, right? Because exactly. that was also the yeah. thing was if he just keeps naming stories, people are going to fucking hunger for that shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. Yeah, like yeah. every reference the Dresden Files makes that we eventually hope will be flushed out into some detail of that world. Or like Nick, when fairly early on in Deep Space Nine, like they were just name-dropping the Dominion left and right in a really casual way. 
that mm-hmm. began to catch later on. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to balance like the overlapping reference pools here, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I know I have to like switch tracks. It's like. The Venn diagram pie slices are <laughs> things on like there's not space nine Sherlock comes and then there's all this stuff in between where they weirdly cross over. Oh, but like I was gonna say, oh sorry, I was gonna say one quick thing on this that like had me really excited because I noticed one of the so he's mentioning all the um uh all these other cases that didn't happen and that don't happen in canon, but um an author that I really like uh, I have to like look at my book. Lindsay Fay, she wrote a book called uh, Dust in Shadow. That was her first Holmes novel. It was about Jack the Ripper. But then she wrote another Holmes novel that came out, I think, mm-hmm. in 2006, uh, 17, maybe, or 18, very recently, um, called The mm-hmm. Whole Art of Detection. And a couple of those stories, it, it's basically mm-hmm. just another collection of short stories, and most of them are just original. But then a couple of them are actually right. based off of offhand references that Watson makes in canon that she just like where he gives like a couple more That's details like I think in this one he the one that he mentions is like uh, a secret club in a underground or like in the back room of a furniture warehouse and then she wrote like a story about that she just made it up and it's really cool so yeah if uh, I That's super rad. hardcore that recommend cool. that book it's called uh, The Whole Art of Detection by Lindsay Fay so yeah anyway just like pitch that real quick I just read it last year and I'm like it was awesome. Yeah, right on. Yeah, and I did notice uh, the last story we read when Ms. Violet Smith came in uh, interrupting stuff, Holmes and Watson were working on a story, that, the name of which escapes me at the moment, but it was the persecution of some dude. And then yeah. somebody wrote that as well. So there are, like, defictionalization it's so of cool. these cases, which is pretty cool because... And we're gonna, we're gonna actually, I've, I've got a proposal for you two gentlemen that we're gonna, mm-hmm. we're gonna discuss in a little bit here towards the end of the story that I, I think, uh, I think might, we might be able to avail ourselves of that possibility. So another thing that Watson points out is that there are plenty of cases that he doesn't tell us about, uh, simply because they fizzled out or because Holmes yeah. lost. <laughs> Or any any damn number of reasons. So what we're what we're really getting here is the cream of the crop, which is interesting because up to this point, like with Watson being our narrator and being our our looking glass into this world, we've kind of assumed he was a fairly reliable narrator. And now, Dylan, are you raising your hand to speak, or was that just a stretch? It was both. Um, what, uh, uh, I I really like that Watson makes that reference to. Yeah, I don't tell you the stories where Holmes didn't didn't make why would i do that yeah yeah first of all they're not interesting second of all uh watson idolizes holmes and so to present the stories where it didn't work out he doesn't want to make it look too bad um because he's but but i i think yeah and but i think that i think that goes uh uh well i guess that speaks to all of sherlock holmes fiction but especially his portrayals as the master detective mm-hmm. who is yeah. never wrong. Yeah. Right. Where like right. a happy ending Incredible. to the story means that he solves it and there's no alternative. Right. And that's one of the things that always disappoints me about like, like especially the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock Holmes. It's super disappointing mm-hmm. that he is always correct. Yep. 100% mm-hmm. all the time. He is the master of chess. He he wins and that's, every time. That was one of the things no that question. really pissed me off about like, well, the portrayal of Irene Adler in that series is because her whole reason for existing in the Holmes mm-hmm. canon is that she beats him, and then in Sherlock she doesn't beat him. And I'm just like, 
Why? <laughs> That's right. Then what is she doing here? Yeah. Yeah. Then why does yeah. she exist? She could have been anything in the world. So, uh, Nicholas, why don't you lead us into the story? Uh, so yeah, um, so the story opens, uh, it's a dark and stormy night, basically. Uh, they're kind of sitting around. Holmes doesn't really do it. He's, uh, he's like organizing some indexes or something, and Watson's reading a sea novel, uh, and he, and it's just raining outside, and he kind of comments on like, oh, the weather outside kind of matches my, um, my ship story, kind of, and they're just kind of hanging out together, and there's a yeah. fire going, and they're all cozy. Yeah. Uh, another mm-hmm. detail that I really, really like in the beginning of this one, uh, Watson mentions, like, he's already married and he's just hanging out because right. his his wife's away for the weekend or whatever it is, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I really love, because again, in in the popular depictions of Sherlock Holmes, as soon as Watson is married, they're fucking done. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's like friendship over, yep. And Holmes yeah. is really jealous about it. But it's like, nah, he, he goes over, hangs out all the time, like still solves cases and stuff. He's like, all right, I gotta go hang out. I gotta go solve a murder with Uh my buddy Holmes. And Mary's like, all right, have fun. (laughs) See you tonight. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe it's the, uh, the, the rainbow colored lens (laughs) through which I view these stories now, courtesy of my good friend, Nicholas, but like, you're so well, I don't know. It just seems, seems like there's a lot of boys weekends. That's, that's my personal gay agenda. I don't care about anything else except making every single person I interact with <laughs> convinced that Holmes and Watson were a couple. You know, Nicholas, it's interesting. Uh, just today, actually, one of our Twitter followers, who are the coolest people in the world, by the way, um, messaged me asking if we were going to do, like, a deep dive into the actual, like, serious literary gay context <laughs> and, like, the Victorian... Uh, whole milieu surrounding that. And I said I wasn't comfortable doing it because as a boring straight guy mm. ally, I would just sound like a kid doing a book report for the grade, and I'm, I'm not about that life. But that, like, the idea of, of giving you that kind of assignment <laughs> and watching you burn it to the ground is kind of really interesting. So I think we might have to do, like, a special episode where you just do all the research for once. Where, like, it's just me doing the research, or you're also there? Because I... Don't know if I could talk for a whole 45 minutes straight. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll play backup, but, uh, you know. And that's also, that's not to say that as the designated gay, this is your job now. That's not what I'm doing. Homework. It's the gay tax. <laughs> you know, you're thinking, this is what it gets you. This is the real downside. Oh, man. Homophobia never sleeps. Now I have to do work. <laughs> so we'll have to, we'll have to. No, that'd be awesome. I, actually, I just want to put out that I would totally be down for that. That sounds lit. I'm actually, uh, I actually just finished a book. Not that I, like, only read gay stuff, but, like, I actually just finished a book, um, about, like, uh-huh, uh-huh. a bunch of historical gay figures, and it was just kind of, like, and it was really interesting, and I'm like, oh, dude, this is yeah. nice. Because I actually, I honestly don't read a lot of, like, gay-related fiction or anything like that. I literally just read what I want to read, like, science fiction and stuff like that i don't seek it out but like i've started doing that a little more recently because it's kind of nice sometimes and i'm super into it so right now i'm kind of on a streak so i would totally 100 percent be down to do that and a lot of people have done amazing um analyses and historical you know uh research about specifically victorian era and specifically like like in relation to the sherlock holmes stories and all these references like there was something too about how like the the pub that watson is in when he meets his uh 
army friend Stanford in the first in um uh, a study in Scarlet is like known for being like a a spot that gay men went sometimes and it's just like just research like that that i would have never known unless Mm -hmm. someone else found it first and you know then so it's just neat it's yeah i would anyway so yeah so it sounds like you were preparing to do this episode without even realizing it well done i guess so yeah (laughs) yeah well i also know what you mean though like once you find like a niche like not not even necessarily genre, but just like uh, a specific kernel of a thing that you like. You tend oh, yeah, to find absolutely. more and more of those things, and kind of kind of dig that mm-hmm. little burrow around yourself even deeper. Cool. Yeah. Well, there you go, Twitter follower, who I won't name out loud, just in case that would make you uncomfortable. You got what you wanted. Well done. This sets a really bad precedent oh, vis-a-vis you guys interacting with us. You ask us to do something, we'll do it. We're your monkeys. <laughs> God. We dance for you. All right. So the cli- we literally haven't even like introduced the client yet. This is great, guys. Um, what happens first? Nope. So yeah, they're they're ha- <laughs> there's gotta be there's gotta be like a math formula that every person you add to a podcast slows <laughs> the recording process by like there has to be a mathematical explanation. Yeah, I, I, yeah it's just logarithmic. The logarithmics were my favorite <laughs> new wave band. Uh, I love the latest album. Um. So, I don't know enough about tech to, like, make a joke of what the... I don't know, I don't know. Dylan, What's the album anything? called, Nicholas? <laughs> the Logarithmics, and their new album. The Logarithmics' newest album uh, is MX plus right. B equals Y. I was gonna say, the Logarithmics' newest album is... The newest Logarithmics' <laughs> album is a tautology. It's self-titled. All right. <laughs> yeah. so, um... Okay, so what happens first? It's self-titled. <laughs> Oh, God, I love these boys. My good, good boys. All right, so, yeah, they're hanging out. So what's Um, going on? The nautical spook. And then the client comes in out of the rain, dripping wet with his problem. His name is John Openshot. Can I help you? (laughs) With his problem. Walks in with his problem. He's holding it in his hands. (laughs) Hello! Drop. I have something for you. It's my problem. This is yours now. And it involves the KKK. All right. <laughs> he sits him down, and the young man says, uh, my case is no mm-hmm. ordinary one. Because they have to do that every time. They have to set up just so the reader knows some shit's going to get weird. They're like, I know you're Sherlock fucking Holmes, but trust me. And you, like, solve a hundred cases a week. But this one's good. I love that Holmes's reply is just... Yes, I, I realize I am the last court of appeals. It's fine. Yes! Yeah, you stole, you stole my quote. Yeah, thank you. I am the last court of appeals. Except I pictured him saying that like really gravely and self-seriously, but like giggling on the inside. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Alright, so who is this Kanik? He's this young guy, he's pretty well off, and he goes on to, he starts telling the story about how he, uh, has this uncle who's Pretty antisocial, who has this, who went to America. He has some land there. He's got a plantation, I believe, and, um, he, is it Florida? He became Florida, man. Yeah, Yeah, Um, of course it's Florida, Nick. I thought it was Georgia for some reason. Yeah, Florida. And, uh, so, Florida man, uh, crazy uncle. They do mention Georgia at one point, and it's about the KKK, so, you know. Okay, yeah, there you go. I, yeah, you don't think, you couldn't wear those robes in that humidity, (laughs) could you? I sure couldn't. (laughs) So. But any other climate, right, Dylan? You'd be fine. If you're in a polar climate, it'd be great camouflage. So the client, um, so he's got this uncle who's got a bunch of land in Florida, Florida man, Florida uncle, and he went 
Uncle Florida. So one day, Uncle breakfast, Florida. Also, land in Florida is kind of a contradiction, but go land on. Land in Florida is actually the first uh, song on the album, the self-titled album. Logarithmic log- space. Yeah. So, yeah. so Dylan. No, 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 Dylan. <laughs> land in Florida is the new Tone in Georgia album. So Florida. Uncle oh, of course it is. So he, they go to. All right, Casey. What happens at the? What's the who? We need to get like a rim shot sound effect that's just put up every time someone makes a shitty joke and just play on the <laughs> fully noises. Yeah, just on repeat every ten seconds, whether we make a joke or not. <laughs> yeah, that should be pretty funny. <laughs> I'd be really interested to see how often it was correct. <laughs> but like, but, but no, but terrible things would happen. Like we'd get into real talk about anxiety, and someone would be like, "I've made a lot of progress, and I feel really good about myself lately." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. So, uh, yes. Elias Openshaw went to America, uh, found his fortune, uh, fought for the wrong side in the Civil War. The absolute, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah And then he returned to Europe a rich man. He returned to Europe specifically because he hated black people. Yeah. It says that. Yeah, he was like, oh, well, I didn't like them very much, yeah. And it's like, oh, cool, your uncle sounds like a dick. (laughs) And, quote, the Republican policy in extending the franchise to them. Careful listener, make note, he says the Republican Party was too nice to black people for his taste. (laughs) That's, uh... How the turntables... No, 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 history, history goons don't, don't... Don't add us. We know that's we know that's not what it was. We yeah. know that the, the Republicans and the Democrats switched party platforms at some point for some reason. We assume it had something to do with the Earth's magnetic poles. Don't fucking add us, okay? <laughs> we went to Christian school. We didn't learn history. We learned the Bible. <laughs> I know. I know the history because I didn't go to your fucking Christian <laughs> Dylan, school. This Damn. isn't about you right now, Dylan. Me and Casey are bonding over our shared trauma. Okay, well, tell us the history, Dylan. It's a long story, and we have okay, another long enough. story to talk about. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, it was like 10 I do. Pages I do long. honestly want to say that uh, Dylan, you may recall, and I'm certain Nick that you will. In the, I think it's the second or third story we read, um, Holmes does hella cocaine, and Watson feels the need to upbraid him about it and say, "This is a terrible habit. You're destroying yourself." Rah rah rah. And we talked a little bit about how. You know, what level of trust can you give the audience and the reader in understanding that bad behavior is not being condoned? And that's Like terrible. that kind of thing? Exactly, yeah. It's exactly. Yeah, that was the example, you know, Lex Luthor had just stolen ten pies, and that's terrible. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes is injecting cocaine, and that's terrible. And I, I just wanted to say that I actually... Lex Luthor stole 40 pies. It's way worse I than ten. I can excuse ten, but... <laughs> okay, it's four times worse. It's four times terrible. Three Baker's Dozen. Three Baker's Dozen. By the way, Nicholas, you want to talk about repeating shit too much? I say exactly once every five goddamn seconds, and it's because you're so fucking perspicacious. I heard myself say absolutely earlier, and I just... (laughs) Legitimately want to stab myself with a pen. Yeah, it's awful. Anyway, my point is, um, I really appreciate that Doyle, maybe he feels that his audience has grown up a little bit. Maybe it's more about, like, having more confidence in his ability as a writer to convey subtext. But he he mm. might be... He's a, he's a caveman by our standards in a lot of ways. But he trusts the reader to connect the dots. The dots marked, this man hates black people, mm. and the dot marked, this yeah. guy is the bad guy. Yeah. 
he trusts us to connect those two on our own. Like he doesn't, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't feel the need to draw that line Honestly, for us. And I, I really appreciated that level of confidence in us as the reader. Yeah, pretty good for Victorian era writer. Honestly. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna get into why, honestly, because once again, I have done research. Okay, so yes, bad racist man. Uh, he had to get the fuck out of Florida while the getting was good for reasons of his own. For racist reasons. <laughs> it was for racist reasons. <laughs> he retired back to England to drink, to slowly go insane, and <laughs> aggressively ignore everyone but his nephew John, the gentleman Let's... who came a calling. Let's reiterate, it wasn't for reasons of his own. It was, he was mad that the union was still the union, so he dipped. <laughs> We're gonna get to why. We gotta preserve some dramatic tension. All right. Um, anyway, he begged his brother John to, uh, let, ye- no, his brother Joseph beg Joseph's son John, the young man we met in Holmes and Watson's study, come live with him. And so he did. Uh, John's father, Joseph, invented an unbreakable bicycle tire just before the bicycle scene exploded. They just threw that fact, like, right in there. <laughs> well, and then didn't say anything else. Yeah, just toss yeah. that little nugget out there. And Dylan, what's interesting is, you can't have known this yet because the, uh, the episode hasn't come out, but I assume you'd listen to these. <laughs> but the last episode we did, there was a whole thing show. about the- Oh, thank you, buddy. Um, there was a whole section of the research about, like, how we have no context for how literally world-changing the advent of the bicycle as a form of popular transportation was. And also feminism. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and also mainly for feminism. So it's really interesting that there should be two in a row that have that sort of thematic link. But anyway, so, uh, yes. John moved in with Elias, became his representative in business matters and such. Uh, at the age of 16, he basically had the run of the house, free to go where he would and do as he pleased as long as he didn't bother Elias. There was, however, a single attic room that was strictly off-limits to everyone, because apparently uh, John, or Elias rather, had picked up some gothic habits. Gothic, southern gothic. <laughs> this joke isn't working the way I wanted it to. This thing like Flannery O'Connor bullshit. I'm gonna cut all of it anyway. I'm the editor. Oh, they made you read Flannery O'Connor too? Was it Mrs. Horning? <laughs> I actually, I liked Flannery O'Connor. I, I can see why people wouldn't, but I did. Didn't. I mean, well, I liked some of the stories. I feel like if I read it again now, I would appreciate it a little bit more. But at the time, at, as at yeah. like 17 years old, I was like, what the hell is this? That's yeah. fair. And there, there's also something to be said for being forced to read something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So anyway, single attic room that is strictly off limits to everyone. Dylan, what happens next? Um, uh, he... Gets a letter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, old, old man Openshaw, mm-hmm. Florida man, gets a letter. Uh, it's got five orange yep. pips in it, and it's got three K's on the inside of yep. the envelope. And Watson sure doesn't know, and neither does the younger should, Openshaw. Yeah. Should we clarify? Um, they're all, I don't, whose initials are these? Should we clarify what pips are? Because I actually didn't know when I first read this. They're seats. Yeah. yeah. No, I tried to find yeah, it, because yeah. at one point um, later on, Sherlock mentions seeds and pips in the same sentence. Oh. So I thought they were separate yeah. things. They are not separate things. The younger Openshaw uh, <laughs> is like, what? Um, and the older Openshaw <laughs> gets gets him a brass box um, full of old yeah. papers, yeah. Uh, mm. also emblazoned with those uh-huh. initials. Uh and he burns the contents of that box. Uh, and then he dies in a tragic yep. accident. Which I did not get at first, actually, because it said that he called for someone to light a fire for him. 
And I just thought that was like, have a servant do servant shit. And then later on, everybody was talking about how he burned the papers. I'm like, what the fuck did that happen? What did I miss? Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, like, he, yeah, no. Yeah, no, he opens they, the, yeah, he opens the envelope. Tip the hand yeah. on that Orange one. Pips come out. He freaks out and immediately goes upstairs, burns all those papers, and then right after that starts composing his will. So he's like really sure that he yeah. is about to die pretty soon. Yeah, so he, yeah, so he yeah. basically wills his yeah. nephew the estate and with all its advantages and disadvantages. Well, which... his brother. Oh yeah, his brother, right. But he's, but yeah, but the nephew's there at the time. Yeah. And then Joseph's son, George Joestar, was a fighter pilot. Dylan, no, he didn't right. actually have Dylan. to deal with the vampires. But then his son, <laughs> Jojo, the Jonathan Joestar, no, Joseph <laughs> Joestar, he goes to New York. Sorry, what's up? <laughs> Just all of the fucking Jonathans and Right, you're like, Joe's you came in here at the wrong time all, in the uh, middle of... Can't keep him straight. <laughs> Yeah, there's only one Jonathan welcome on this show, and that's Jonathan Frakes, my <laughs> hey, friend. Hey, if Jonathan Frakes wants to listen to our podcast, that would be awesome. Is, is that Riker? Big fan. Riker. Oh my god, that would be incredible. Can you imagine if someone no, that handsome listened to our podcast? <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> I was going to say, I would if Dylan would listen to it. If you got to give me time to let the compliment land. You don't just throw a compliment into a turbulent <laughs> sea of post-goof giggles. You gotta wait for the moment. I'm just trying to imagine anyone handsome no, than me, and I just never I'm not coming up with. I'm coming up with maybe like one or two guys. I don't know. That's fair. That's reasonable. Are they? Listen. Are they both your cats? So 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 his dad inherits <laughs> the land. Um, yeah yeah. So he signs he signs the what's it? Uh, the man says, "Here, enjoy. You're gonna inherit this one day." Quote, if you can enjoy it in peace, well and good. If you find you cannot, take my advice, my boy, and leave it to your deadliest enemy. At which point, I began to feel I was reading the novelization (laughs) of There Will Be Blood. He (laughs) says... God, that's a good movie. Uh, He says, I signed the paper as directed... Yet I could not shake off the vague feeling of death which it left <laughs> like, behind. As he yeah, wrote, no like, shit, dude. Like, this might be a mistake. Ah, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like foreshadowing. Exactly, yeah. And like, okay, there. When you're writing a story that's fiction, there are certain things. I mean, you, there's there's the audience's suspension of disbelief, right? And then there's the fact that sometimes you have to have people acting in inherently ridiculous ways in order yeah. to make the story work, right? So, is there a term for that, Dylan? Like, when you have a character act against their own self-interest, or, like, in a in a way that patently does not make sense in the context of the story, but for the sake of the mechanics in place? I'm sure there are a lot of terms for that on TV tropes. I usually call it a plot hole. Dylan, are you, are you familiar with the term voodoo shark? <laughs> <laughs> no. It's... <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like we're about to be real familiar. It's not as racist as it might sound. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> okay, so a voodoo shark is a plot hole with an explanation, but the explanation makes less sense and raises more questions than the original plot That's hole it good. attempts to cover up. As though you tried to explain something with. You know, a voodoo well, exa- shark. Yeah, and the example is, in the novelization of Jaws 4, The Revenge... Oh my god. It's so god. good. There's more than two Jaws movies? <laughs> no, 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 there are not. Yeah. No, it's like there's no, only three Pirates yourself. of the Caribbean. No, there are only oh. two Jaws. Oh, thank goodness. There are only two Jawses, and in the second Jaws, the shark is imaginary. It's a much better right. movie that way. Um, <laughs> Dylan, seriously, Dylan, I'm like, absolutely serious. Like, Just imagine that the shark is only in Chief Brody's head, and it is a trip. It's so good. Anyway, 
That's fucking My point weird. Is, <laughs> in the novelization of Jaws 4, The Revenge, starring a young Michael Caine, uh, you got my the, attention. The author feels the need to explain that the Brody family is haunted by this shark because of a curse from a voodoo witch doctor. Why? They don't tell us. They just move on. <laughs> you know. So now we have exactly like we have one plot hole covered. But it, yeah, so there's uh, there's it doesn't it doesn't get quite to voodoo shark levels here. But like this kid, even though he's 16, like he's competent to run a household. But here he is, like. I guess I'm just going to sign this extremely ominous <laughs> document. I <laughs> don't really have any choice. And then, as as Dylan says, they find the man dead a little bit later, face down in a two-foot-deep pond, and rule it a suicide. Which, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, and I think that that, I think that's touched on a little later in the story, and I think it it's some more of that unsaid, unspoken sort of, Conan Doyle didn't want to get into it, but, like, the KKK was present and, by some accounts, still is present in um, oh. law enforcement. Oh, oh damn, yeah. I didn't even right? think of like that. They, they're fucking everywhere. Ooh, scary. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a point. Like, and, and like, this this story takes place after the KKK has, mm. like, gone into hiding for the Correct. first time. The, the right? first like, clan has They were real big, well. yeah. uh, and then sort of went dormant, and so they're in hiding and nobody really talks about them or like knows like even Watson who is a well-studied smart dude just mm-hmm. fucking complete total blind spot yeah. to this thing um and and so i i that may have been a nod towards that maybe yeah absolutely totally yeah. knows well, right but the death the death was suspicious yeah. uh, at any rate because uh, Elias had just been tearing all over creation for weeks with his revolver just uh, shouting that he was afeard of no man before running back into his study and locking it. Yeah, right, it. getting into these, like, drunken rages just every day and running around and, like, looking, yeah, just looking like stressed constantly. Yeah, which, well, like, like, yeah. like some of us do. <laughs> just, uh, you know, a real a real Florabama Tuesday. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Joseph, John's father, Elias's brother, inherits 14,000 pounds. Now, Dylan, this is a regular... This is a regular feature on this program where I do math to see... It's the conversion corner. It really is. Welcome to the conversion <laughs> corner with Casey. Have I told you about the Baha'i faith? The currency... Wait, 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 wait. The three Ks! Wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, no! no! This is the conversion corner! No, it's, it's Casey's... Wait, wait. Casey's currency conversion corner. I dare you there to try is. to say that right now. Real quick, go. Casey's currency conversion corner? Wow, alright, actor. Anyway. <laughs> I slid a sheet a sheet I slid upon a slitted sheet I sit. A proper cup of coffee from a proper cup of pop Proper! Copper! Oh, oh, copper oh. pot! And get off the gray! And get off the white! Okay. The human torch was denied it's a true. bank loan. Uh, so Joseph inherits 14,000 pounds, and I did some math to... Because that, that number means nothing to you, right? Oh, absolutely. If you told me 14,000 Great British Pounds today, I wouldn't know exactly. what that meant. So, in 1891, which is when this story was originally published... So, it's like, don't let these glasses fool you. I'm very stupid. <laughs> it's true. Like, I know a lot of stuff. Currency conversions, not nah, one of them. Fair. Well, and honestly, like, even if you had a good grasp of what a pound was worth, like, four or five years ago, post-Brexit, ain't nothing keeping up with that shit. Yeah, yeah, so these is 2019 numbers, listeners in the future, assuming that we haven't been reduced to a cold, lifeless, radioactive stone by then. Um, Fingers crossed. Streams crossed. Oh, yeah. Not to sidetrack the 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 Literature Club oh, podcast, do. but, like, did you guys hear about the fucking missile? The what? 
Is that what that was? It was a missile? Oh. There was a fucking missile in Russia that fucking... There was... A mistake was made, and there was an explosion <laughs> at a military base. Uh, Dylan, I believe, I believe, and I believe in Russia, it, it is called an oopsie. An oopsie happened, <laughs> occurred. An oopsie occurred, uh, and <laughs> the fucking the the it wasn't a nuclear mm-hmm. weapon. The warhead was not mm-hmm. nuclear. That- However, the way it was described was the most awkward way to say that it was a it was it was fueled by. A nuclear uh-huh. reactor. So, nuclear propulsion missile went awry <laughs> right. in Russia. That's real mm. fucking weird. And we're still... One- so, like, first responders to the incident had to be rushed away. The f- So... They were rushing away? So, there were first responders. People went to the hospital, right? Some nuclear scientists died. Mm-hmm. It's a tragedy. Like, we're sitting here laughing at it. Right. It's a tragedy. Right. Um... They didn't tell the first responders or the hospital staff that it was uh potentially radioactive. Oh. So Oh. So people went to the hospital and then the nurses realized, oh, our our scrubs are pinging these Geiger counters. <laughs> oh Wait, this God. was like what recently? Yeah, like the last yeah, couple of days. That was right? this week. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Uh and so that's fucking wild and still ongoing. Huh. Wow. Huh. Earth is garbage fire right now, huh, guys? <laughs> sure is. I don't remember what got us there. We were talking about something. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Russian and Russians? Oh, I think we were, uh, I think we were jokingly talking about, uh, the nuclear holocaust and destruction of all life on Earth as a way to stave off the incredibly exhausting constant fear of being alive in this year of some of our Lord 2019. It's a running theme. Right. Of yeah. this podcast for some reason. You, you could say, <laughs> you could say it is not to bring podcast. us all down. Yeah. But no, it's fine. No, we gotta bum ourselves out at least once an episode. <laughs> are, are you good, Dylan? You okay over there? You alright, buddy? You want me to send you some coffee? Yeah. Got a lot of backstock. I would all love right. some coffee. Send you some beans. Uh, yeah, just postmate some coffee <laughs> over there mid episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. Back to Casey's conversion corner, where uh, I ask you if you've accepted our <laughs> Lord a... Bahamut into your heart. So, 14,000 pounds in 1891, which is when this story was first published serially, would today be mm. worth... Dylan, j- just, take a, just take a stab. 1891 to 2019. Yeah, 14,000 okay. pounds. Let's... I'm gonna say it's probably a lot, but it's probably, like... It's it's probably going to be like Okay, there was definitely growth right. there, right? We're talking about a number of significantly larger scale than 14,000. Yes. But I don't know if it if it gets into millions. I think we're going to stay somewhere near like the 100,000 Okay. uh neighborhood like probably six figures. That's your pin, 100,000? Um no, I, I'm saying six figures. I'm trying to suss out like how 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 many six figures. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand. Okay, okay, Nick. You anything? Anything, Nick? You wanna you wanna toss your hat? In the yeah. Thing? Like oh, I got. Oh oh, are we are are we converting to 2019 Great British pounds or are we converting to 2019 U.S. dollars? We're gonna oh, do both, but first we're doing pounds to pounds. <laughs> okay, pounds to pounds. I'm gonna say four hundred thousand. 
I would I would venture million. I would I would go to the millions. Yeah. Cuz you go to the millions. Were rich, they were rich. Yeah. Yeah. Well, give that man the Cupid doll because 14,000 British pounds in 1891 in 2019 is worth 1,764,000 pounds, which is in turn, you know what Nick, Holy you shit. earned that dab. That was uh, which so is much in money. turn 213 million goddamn dollars. Now, Ooh. what the story what the story fails really to take into consideration is that the man who has just inherited this, Joseph Openshaw, Invented an unbreakable fucking tire for bicycles. <laughs> so, I, like, don't get me wrong, like... that's a lot of money, but... <laughs> <laughs> In the face of such indestructible material, who can really say? Well, yeah, you I, write I, down I'm... where, like, it says that? Because I remember it, but I'm, like, trying to find the exact quote. Yeah, it was right okay. at the beginning of, of the recap. Because he did, and that's all it said, right was that he was a factory man who invented a, an unbreakable tire and he sold out early and, and well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's see. My father had a small factory at Covent, at Coventry, which he enlarged at the time of inventing the bice, of, at the time of the invention of bicycling. He was a patentee of the Openshaw unbreakable tire. And his business met with such success that he was able to sell it and retire upon a handsome uh, competence. Yep. Great. I almost said competence. Is that a real thing? But that's not a word. Is that tire oh, a real yeah. thing, or did you just make this guy? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. No, you see oh, wow. open shaws to this day. Call yourself a bicyclist. Oh, all right. <laughs> I have a bike. I don't know if I'd call myself a... That's awesome. <laughs> that's just so, fun uh, little detail. Thus endeth <laughs> the recap. <laughs> and there's... Uh, that's, okay, I'm gonna blow the lid off of this one because it's my favorite part of this show is Casey telling you lies and you believing them. <laughs> Casey! <laughs> Damn it, Dylan! I came so every, close! Every time it happens, I love it so much because it happens at least twice I an episode. I struggle with recognizing sarcasm <laughs> and people constantly use that to take advantage of me <laughs> and my trusting nature. It's extremely real. Uh, <laughs> well, see, no, here's here's the thing. Uh, it's, it's not that, no, like, sarcasm denotes a tone of voice. Like, if I said, oh, yeah, Nick, there are open shaws everywhere. You can't throw a, a dead racist uncle without hitting a pile of open shaws burning by the side of the road. Like, if I'd said it that way, you would have known what was up. But the fact that I'm saying... Oh yeah, they've got the tensile strength of five elephants. They make sure that every tire can fit five elephants inside. Like it's that's that's not on you, buddy. <laughs> five five elephants, uh, uh, like uh, trunk to trunk or butt, butt to butt because butt. it's gonna absolutely be butt to butt. Yeah, okay. that's the butt to butt they standard. That's the open shot promise. Yeah, it's like you know how you have horsepower. How do you fit more than two elephants? <laughs> how do you fit more than four elephants butt to butt? Carefully. You'd be surprised. So very, they're huge. They ah. will step on you. <laughs> one, one is vertical. So you, know, so you know how they have, uh, you know how cars are like horsepower, right? Bicycle tires, elephant power. It's, yep. it's just yeah, yeah. Like that, go. Casey. <laughs> I can do it. Too. Yeah, I really, I know, I really did. I believed it. You said it with conviction. God, I love this. I love you, dudes. So he invents yes. the tire. Oh, God. Okay, we are so. So barely into this story. So, okay, the recap, the, the client 
comes to Holmes and Watson and tells them their life fucking story uh, is over now. <laughs> and and we yeah. are... Uh, oh, no, that's not quite true. Okay, so in the before and aftermath, uh, Uncle Joseph, Father Joseph, Pappy Joe, uh, he takes <laughs> hold of the property, he investigates the attic, finds the lockbox. <laughs> yeah, Daddy Joestar. I just want to say how many ungoogleable things I possibly can in this episode. Um, <laughs> oh boy! He investigates the attic, finds the lockbox, which is initialed KKK and is labeled as holding quotes, letters, memoranda, receipts, and register. And the rest of the attic is all memorabilia of his time in America and his involvement in politics, specifically in his opposition to every damn thing the North had like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, they live this way for like a year. And a second letter arrives. The first letter was from Pondicherry, which is, we are given to understand, in India. A second letter arrives from Dundee, which is a small golden statue given out in Pennsylvania. And this one also has orange pips, demanding that the papers... What papers? We don't know, but the the papers, papers, yeah. Yeah, be left on a nearby sundial. Joseph says, and here I quote, This is some bullshit! (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he does say that. And yeah, he's basically like, I'm not, I'm not doing any papers. I'm not doing any sundial. This is ridiculous. I'm ignoring this. And the, and John. I invented the the unbreakable bike tire. (laughs) I don't have time for that. Exactly. And John is like, oh, I don't, you you know, he's seen it before. He's like, I don't know. I think we should actually pay attention to this. Maybe talk to the police. (laughs) And his dad just like, nah. So he, he doesn't say this is bullshit. He, he exclaims, <laughs> Which I love. It's so good. I love that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, like celebrated author, wrote "poo," said he, and went, "Yes, this is." I don't know dude. how much. I don't know how much British media you've consumed, but they actually talk like that. They're fucking dorks, dude. They're f- no wonder we. F- Fucking declare our independence. Right? We moved out of that house. Right we just time. we just ripped off our white wigs. Like this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this. I'm gonna go ride a horse. I'm like I'm becoming a cowboy. See you later. <laughs> That's how. <laughs> also, I'm gonna invent cows. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you think that if you were if you were Joseph Openshaw and you invented that unbreakable type, like you'd all the time be like, "Not this is some bullshit," or "Not I don't care for this situation," but you'd be like. I tire of this. Just to remind people. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely would. Every chance. I know you would. Yeah. (laughs) And I know Dylan would stab both of us for it. So. Absolutely. Uh, John wants to go to the police. Joseph won't let him because honor or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He would give us both a flat tire. I like how this. He thinks it'll ruin his reputation. Podcast has talked more about bicycles. Then the last one, which was called The Solitary Cyclist. I just needed to point that out. Look, if there's one thing I learned from several years of being really bad at improv, it's that when you find the thing, you stick with the thing. And I think we found the thing. <laughs> so, well, and character just... Uh, the Podlum's thing is Character bicycles. just offhand mentions bicycle tires once. Casey, this is actually what the whole podcast is going to be about. <laughs> Look, I am, I am I simply the it. messenger. I am Joan of Arc. Well, and the real reason that Joseph won't let John go to the police is because then no story, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, why yeah. Would he yeah. Take him seriously? Yeah. Uh, what happens next, Nick? Uh, me? Oh, so yeah, so he he ignores the message, and then um, 
Okay, Joseph John. This is Joseph, right? Okay. So Joseph. Yes. So he goes, um, he goes out of town for a couple days to go visit, uh, a friend in a different town and leaves, you know, and leaves John in charge. And John's like, okay, great. Yeah. He's, he's getting away from the house. That'll, that'll, that'll be safe. He'll be fine. I feel a little less, uh, you know, worried about him now. And then he, he dies like two because days later. what tragedy has ever befallen <laughs> like, a man this, this in the countryside? And immediately he, he dies like two days later. Yeah. Um, and mysteriously, yeah. <laughs> same circumstance. Like, walks out walks the door, out. slips on a banana peel, and yeah. fucking dead. <laughs> and same, or very similar circumstances as the last guy, as the Elias the uncle died, where he, Correct. he falls into a ditch mysteriously. There's no signs of any other, you know, injuries on him. He's just, yeah. he's just dead. And it looks like an accident. Yeah. And so they chalk it up, the authorities chalk it up as an accident. And, and John's over here like, this is the second accident that, like, this is, like, no, I really don't think, like, you know, but there's nothing to prove that it wasn't, basically. Right. There's no... Well, real... Nicholas, and it's and it's interesting that you say they chalk it up to that, because Joseph Openshaw, inventor of the Openshaw Unbreakable Bicycle Tire, actually meets his end in a chalk pit, returning whence he came, as all Englishmen eventually do. Oh, yeah. I totally meant yeah. that, by the way. I intended that joke. He came from a chalk pit? Because Britons are very pale. This was the joke. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. Let's dissect it some more, Dylan. Yeah, I didn't get why, it. Uh, why else didn't you think it was funny? I didn't get it! <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't get your joke! It was more clever than me! Wait, is Casey making a joke? Is Casey making a joke? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get this one, I swear. I feel like we've got a real, like, rock, paper, scissors of big dogging going on. Like, it's like... <laughs> Everyone's yeah. We just pass the brain cell from one person to another. Exactly. Everyone's dog gets to us. do some bigging, but everyone's dog also gets big. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What happens next, Nicholas? So the police. <laughs> so the police chalk it up to an accident, and then wait. Uh, so yeah, no. His his. So his dad is dead now. Um, as. Many clients. That happens. That happens sometimes. Sometimes your old pappy dies. And then he gets the letter next. I can't remember how much time elapses. Not quite. Dylan, Dylan, do you remember what comes next? He, uh, oh, he, doesn't he find the, he finds the page. He goes up back to the attic and searches through the stuff again for maybe like, cause the police aren't taking him seriously. So he's like, all right, I gotta try to figure out possibly what is, you know, going on here myself. Mm -hmm. And he, he finds a scrap of paper with some of his uncle's handwriting on it. Um, which he then brings out in, in the current time of the story and shows to Holmes. And it's got his uncle's handwriting on it. It's got some, uh, some names and some notes. And, uh, and basically he just shows it and is like, this is all I got of the, this is all that was left of all the papers he burned. Can you make anything? Like, maybe it'll help. I don't know. And, um, then he, is, is that after? And then after he fi- after he finds the scrap of paper, I'm like shifting between the two times here of right, the, you know, the event of the story and then the past. But after he finds the scrap of paper, that's when he receives his envelope, right? With the, right, the, his pips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and his thus right. everything's going recap. pretty good. Yeah, everything's going pretty good for a couple, for a year or two or something, year and a half. Right, and then he gets his own, and that's when he decides to go see Holmes. Right. So the the pips are also. We mentioned the paper that says, hey, give us the papers. Put them on the sundial. Yeah. yeah. And what a weird, what a weird delivery mechanism. Yeah. Put it on the sundial and yeah. leave it. 
worry about it. That's, yeah. uh, so, and I mean, it's, it, it'll be no surprise to the American listener at this point that, uh, this is about the KKK or the Klan. This is the KKK in question. Yeah. The, yeah. The name of which, the Ku Klux Klan, I did not know until this reading of this story, derives from the sound of a rifle being caught. Yeah, which is... And that's fucking mm-hmm. terrifying. It really is. And honestly, it sounds like something that Doyle would make up, like sensationalism, but it's just gross enough that I believe it. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah. 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 I didn't even look it up. I was like, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Well, my... Yeah, and it's it's gross enough that I don't want to... I don't want that no. search history. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, for real. Like, I would, there's a reason I did today's research on my work computer. <laughs> <laughs> right. But... <laughs> But, uh, my point, my point is... It's already had that history. To yeah, no, for real. Urgent cares. It's a dicey business. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that's our new D&D podcast. It's a dicey business. So, um, I, I avoided doing too much research about the actual clan themselves, mainly because I don't even want to dignify, you know, the subject with my attention if I don't have to. Um, unless right. I'm rewatching Black Klansmen. But, um, <laughs> let me tell you, they are so in love with ritual and stupid symbolic and ceremonial bullshit. Uh, like, mm-hmm. they, they came up with their own vocabulary, uh, several words of which I am I am terribly disappointed with myself to say I've committed to memory, but which I won't repeat here just because, again, like, those motherfuckers don't deserve our airtime or our ear time. Fuck the clan. Oh, yeah. But, like, right. they will take any excuse to make anything seem way more dramatic and way more important mm-hmm. than it really is. Yeah, I mean, they call themselves Grand yeah, Wizard. Grand Dragon. And, yeah, all kinds of shit. No. Yeah, it's, yeah it's like, we all, all saw right. a brother or art that. We know what's up. Like, if, if they weren't out murdering people, they would be quaint little fucking yeah, nerds. For real. It'd be laughable. It'd be, it would be but ridiculous. But they're out murdering people, yeah. so it's a problem. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, it is ridiculous, I just have but it's ridiculousness one that murders people. Question. Do you think that, with whatever research you did, do you think they historically were actually this organized like do you think they could in in real history pull oh, yeah. something like this off cuz i just have this yeah 100% questionably okay yeah. all right i yeah. just have there this are... idea of them just being so like it just sounds so outlandish like you would really think that but all yeah they're a cartoony it really fucking is, bunch yeah. and i'm just like i don't know is this yeah, but yeah, yeah no I, I i believe it yeah it's it's an example <laughs> there are, there are of people a currently who were yeah, yeah, there they really are. Um, it's an example <laughs> right. of a trope called reality is unrealistic, which is exactly what it sounds mm-hmm. like. And like, uh, yeah. again, I, I try to save the research for the end of the episode, but this is relevant to this question. Like, there have been apparently, and I didn't know this before today, there have been like three eras of the clan. There was the first one, and then it fell. The the fall of which actually takes place in this story. And then the second mm-hmm. era, similar to Germany, uh, yeah, not dissimilar to Germany. Um, mm. and that. That was a period of peace, an interregnum, uh, during which this, uh, this story falls. And then with the film Birth of a Nation in 1915 or 16, the second clan was born and, oh, doctor, did that one have legs? Like oh, the man. first, the first clan was estimated to have, they didn't really have hard numbers, but the first one was estimated to have like 8,000 people in it, maybe, which still seems like a lot. The second yeah. era had upwards of 6 million. Oh my, what? A, that is, a jump. Oh my god. Yeah. It's, uh, well, Nicholas, uh, is it any surprise to you that this took place during the era when people were like, hey, what if black people are human? We should probably start treating them that way. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. 
Absolutely. No, it's believable. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there's, I was, I was just thinking of the, of like a specific quote from the canon, from the Sherlock Holmes canon, which is what this podcast is about. Yes. Listeners, I must, I feel I must remind you, um, that where it's like, uh, uh, life is infinitely stranger than anything which the mind of man can invent. And I really like that quote because it's very true and becomes more yeah. true every day. For uh, real. But, yeah. yeah. Um, John Hodgman, one of my very favorite authors, said something similar. He said that they say that truth is stranger than fiction, but nothing is as strange as lies or as true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I think yeah. kind of explains my relationship to you a little bit. <laughs> 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 okay, so, goddamn, we have got to get some wheels on this story. Okay, so, uh, Holmes tells the kid, young Openshaw, uh, mm-hmm. Holmes takes the wheel at this point and says, okay. Like Jesus Exactly, before. bless you. <laughs> uh, so he says, look, I'm gonna look into this, uh, in the meanwhile, maybe leave a note explaining the situation instead of just quietly accepting your own murder. <laughs> Which, honestly, as soon as he said that, I was like, that's literally what I was... Th- like, if I were in his... I was like, why didn't he just do that right away? Like, yeah, I, that's what I would have done. Like, as soon as... As soon like, as I read... Hey, Rahe's, I don't know why you care about these papers, but they like, don't hey, exist like, anymore, I don't know who so you sorry. are, I don't know what you want, but my uncle... Brett, like, literally, just, like, tell him that, you know? Put it out there so they can leave you alone, you know? But, anyway, so Holmes tells him what he should have already known, in my opinion. Right. I, was, I, got I, I assume story. it's just the English way that, like, if someone is going to murder you, it would be impolite to refuse them that, so. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, okay. if you're going to come at it, at least like to know why. Like, you at least owe me the courtesy. Yeah. Holmes is going to put a plan in motion. In the meanwhile, he advises John not to get murdered, if at all possible. Um, he waxes philosophic on deduction for a little while, uh, seemingly... Yeah. To no point, like they just needed to remind everybody about their life. Out of the blue, like yeah, like oh, this guy's a detective, by the way, just in case you forgot. Uh, in in which, yeah. and then asks Watson to retrieve volume K of the American Encyclopedia. It's a good place to start. Yeah, yeah which I'm made Googling. me so happy. What's in there that's not in the Britannica? Jackalopes. Paul Bunyan? <laughs> How to throw tea into harbors? Obviously, Bigfoot. <laughs> The Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, touche. Well, uh, <laughs> listeners, you can you can go ahead and tweet at us with your hashtag uh, Encyclopedia Americana entries and tell us what you think is in the American Encyclopedia. Yes. I look forward to listening uh, to reading those. That's going to be a lot of fun. Apple pie. Apple pie. Baseball. Uh, freedom. <laughs> England didn't have any of that. Exactly. Yeah. How not to let a king boss you around. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, suck it, England, we say 200 years later. <laughs> We're going to ride that victory as hard as we can, because it's the last one we had. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were talking, um, some Oof. some family and I went to see a, a picture last year called Overlord, which is where uh, some American GIs in World War II fight monsters who turn out to be Nazi, zombie kind of things. I don't know. It was fun. Right. It was fun, and it was it was a really well-made war movie. Like, it was genuinely harrowing even before monsters showed up, and it was pretty good. But we had a conversation afterwards about, like, are we are we just gonna keep making World War II movies because that's the last war America was the good guy in? Yeah. Absolutely, dude. Are, yeah, like, constantly. Yeah. <laughs> And even then... I mean, that was... Even fucking video games got in on that. Like, for a long time, 
the only video games that had money behind them were World War II. Yeah. Games. And even then, like, good guys in World War II has some serious qualifications. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there the, the America did some messed up things and we got there a little yeah, late. We got there super late and we definitely already knew that mass murders were taking place and we definitely turned away boatfuls of refugees at the border. This is sounding very familiar. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Weird. Uh, anyway, um America, we love you, but what time is this to trade the handshake for the fist? I believe in America. Like that motherfucker at the very beginning of The Godfather, I love America and I believe in America, but I will say this. Didn't he die? Probably. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody dies eventually. Everyone dies in The Godfather. My point is that I believe in America, but if if belief were easy, it wouldn't be worth doing. Which is why Dylan has decided that it's just not worth doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, don't like opt out. I just don't have any faith in the american populace i you know yeah i definitely am like trying every day to believe in at least be optimistic enough that if we cannot have the perfect star trek feature we can at least work a little bit closer to it every day and maybe get close someday there you go hopefully anything short of fully automated luxury gay space communism not you're right. You're absolutely right, Dylan. You know what? I need to set my sights higher. My standards need to... You're right. You're absolutely right. Thank you, Dylan. Nick, <laughs> j- Nick, you just want to be an energy being freed from all bodily constraints. Don't you, Casey? <laughs> a little bit. You Don't know what, you? dude? That's Don't a recurring theme I'm noticing. Like, not to bring this back around to Star Trek, but, like, <laughs> in DS9, there are several instances of people looking around at the literal utopia the post-need mm-hmm. society, where no one is hungry, no one is homeless, no one dies because they can't afford food or medical treatment. It is, mm-hmm. it, I mean, there, there are still people in bad situations, obviously, but it's not like where you just die if you don't have enough money. So many people right. are looking around at this and saying, I don't know, I feel like this might actually be bad. And then <laughs> trying to ruin it. Yeah. Actually, I have a better idea than this. Like, do you? What if life was terrible again? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Make Cardassia great again. Make space Whatever. space awful again. <laughs> so, getting back on track, at least in theory, um, Holmes says that Colonel Openshaw, uh, the old man, old man Openshaw, must have had a really good reason to leave the, quote, charming climate of Florida... Uh, at his level of success, which I have that to imagine is a joke. joke for American readers, right? Right. <laughs> I, but it's like, it has to be a joke, like, that Doyle gave to Holmes, and not that Holmes just knew what the climate of Florida is like. Yeah. Because, because Holmes doesn't know what Texas is, as we yes. find out later in the story. So it's like, yeah, okay, Doyle, I see you. Yeah. But yeah, no, yeah. But... But also, like, Florida being the place that old people retire to, like, the climate there is actually, like, yeah. pleasant, right? Like, it's actually, it's actually kind of an accurate description. Also, yeah. really, it, yeah, no, it can yeah. be true and a good goof at the same time. Um, then follows some yeah. stuff about mail travel, postal times and distances that I didn't really understand. But the upshot is yep. that the, the killing blow. <laughs> a lot of boring stuff after that, and then. Uh, the upshot is that the killing blow in all of these cases fell, like, roughly at the end of the time it would have taken for the senders of those letters to travel that distance. So... Right. So, so the, the link there was that the, the post is going right. on a steamship, and the, the murderers are right. on a sailing ship. 
So that's why it takes okay. so much longer. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because like before air travel, they would have sent mail by ship because that was the next fastest. You know. Yeah, it was not a priority yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, so Watson mm-hmm. genuinely doesn't know about the clan. Uh, Holmes is both surprised and lowers his voice <laughs> when explaining it. Yeah. With- yeah. <laughs> I love that, where Holmes is just like, have you not heard of... You haven't heard of the Ku Klux Klan. Let me learn you a thing. Yeah. (laughs) It was a real show-don't-tell, which is difficult to do on paper, and is even more difficult Mm -hmm. to do when your main character is such a goddamn talker. Right. It was was a very... Well, and considering how arrogant Holmes is, uh, it it was just a very good and poignant moment um anyway oh yeah no i love that yeah it was very yeah exactly it was great when holmes treats something with with gravity right the audience feels that Yeah, you're like oh shit this is serious yeah out of character is serious business so apparently Mm -hmm. it, it appears to transpire that some branches of the clan send oak leaves as a warning some send melon seeds or orange pips what a fun you know whimsical Regional variation on hateful, racist, violent garbage. Yeah, yeah. It's like right? it's like all the clan wives just go to Michael's, and it's like what they have on sale. It's fine. It's like well, Florida has oranges, but not everywhere else does. So we gotta like make variants. Like if you can't, if you don't have oranges, you know, store bought is fine. But it's like I went down to the Michael's and I got these dowels. They were on sale, so I turned them into swastikas. <laughs> you like them, Dave? <laughs> Who's Dave? Is that David Duke? Is that leader leader of the clan? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yep. Lord. Okay. So the clan <laughs> the clan collapsed for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, following the conclusion of the American Civil War, and uh, Openshaw flees to England for his life, like the racist coward sack of shit he is, uh, with a register mm-hmm. which names some of the quote first men in the South as clansmen. So this is. A dox bomb, which is an active danger to some extremely powerful people left in America. Uh, Nick, what happens next? Yeah. Or Dylan, whoever actually took notes. <laughs> I took so many notes. Okay, so then, so Holmes uh, sends this guy out into the night and is like, hey, be careful. John immediately dies. It, again, yeah. it's like... It, John really, Openshaw, like, not John Watson. Hang out at Baker Street for a, a bit, you know? Or, like, I get that he has to go home and put the papers on the sundial, but I'm like, as soon as he... Li- I was like, oh, yeah. boy, goodbye, buddy. Um, R.I.P. But, yeah, so, no, he goes... Yeah, so John leaves to catch the last train back, and he is found dead the next morning and uh holmes actually doesn't quote the alarm was given and by the aid of the water police the body was eventually recovered okay did you know there was a series on the bbc about canal crime it was called bankside it ran like four seasons that sounds lit, and I would totally watch it. It's incredible. It's about a detective named Bankside and, like, all the fucking canal mm-hmm. crime he has to foil. It's so good. I, I just had to bring that up. That's awesome. Water cops! Water cops. It's like Baywatch for England or something. <laughs> Baywatch for England know. is just, like, widows standing on a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Real Housewives of just... Nantucket. Waving at this 
waving at the cruise ships <laughs> as they leave. I'm trying to picture Lestrade in like Victorian era scuba gear, just like rising up from the. <laughs> yeah. like... one of those old timey mm, divers yeah. helmets. Just takes it off and it's just like. Tss. I thought you were gonna say Victorian era Scooby Doo, and I was also on board. <laughs> Isn't that just this? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. We should, it's not Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes. Has, it's Sherlock Holmes, the precursor to the better known Scooby Doo series. Has Scooby Doo ever dealt with the clan? I don't know. I. It's a kids show. I don't. I. I don't know. They they dress up in sheets. My knee jerk instinct still. is yes. I I don't know why I think that, but I had a strong immediate reaction of yes. Let's ask Google. Oh well, now this is gonna be in my in my search history. Now. Google very carefully. Uh, Scooby Doo, clocks. I yeah, this really this episode really went some places, didn't it? No, I don't think so. Nope. I was gonna say I love how we I love how we spent ten episodes like we had a good machine going, and then you just throw a Dylan into it. Yeah. It all falls apart immediately. <laughs> it's like, actually, did you know there was a nuclear missile? It's like, all right. <laughs> he doesn't throw a wrench in. He throws a nuclear missile in. A nuclear wrench, yes. Dylan's like, go big or go home. Dylan and the nuclear wrench. Honestly. What did you learn, Nicholas? <laughs> They're going to have no idea what the five orange pips is about. I don't, even up to the end. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Did you learn anything or did your, was your Google inconclusive? I looked at the results for like two minutes, and I was like, "No, probably not." It, I, nothing really came Fair. up. That's reasonable. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, uh, what ha- so what happens next is uh, Holmes vows to avenge to, to like revenge himself upon the clan. He said he's he's per- like personally, yeah, personally, yeah, like John, like he. This guy dies, and under the same exact same circumstances, Holmes is immediately just like, "This was my fault." Yep. Only. Yeah. This was exactly my fault. I'm going to personally avenge this yeah. guy, which is kind of like unusual, honestly. Usually he's like, I'm going to solve this case on his behalf. Right. Because now I, like, he gets more motivated, but it's not usually ever that he's like, okay, this is a personal, this is personal now. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, and then, so I, yeah, that was kind of, it's, it gets really like, he gets really intense about yeah. it. He says, which, he says, yeah, if God grants me the health, I shall set my hand upon this gang. Which, gentlemen, mm-hmm. this brings me to my proposal. So, Sherlock Holmes <laughs> is in the public domain. Gentlemen, would you like oh, to boy. write with me Sherlock Holmes punches the KKK, followed by Sherlock Holmes punches the Nazis? Absolutely. 100% absolutely yes. Fuck yes. Yes. We're gonna do this. <laughs> I know, I know that there's like Basil Rathbone movies where Holmes punches Nazis. Uh, or at least I'm pretty sure, but I don't think there's anything about the KKK ever. So yeah, why, I don't, why no one's already jumped on this? I have no idea, but yes. I just like, okay, for reasons that will become apparent by the end of the story, this whole thing kind of wraps up and Holmes is like, well, haha, take that, the clan. Now on to my next thinger. But like, no, we just have to, like, this is a slight divergent reality where this becomes Holmes' whole thing. Like Holmes goes to America. <laughs> And Holmes takes up the most vicious, horrifying weapons you can imagine to personally dismantle the clan. Yep. Well, yeah, because, like, the, he, he talks very highly of, like, I'm gonna yep. burn down the clan. Uh, and then the, the three guys die yep. in a shipwreck, spoilers. Mm-hmm. But it's like, that's, right. that's not the end of it. Those are three that's dudes. That's not the end of it. Of course oh, it's no. not. I mean, there's more. 
this wasn't the last clan member in existence. Like, there's, they're still out there, you know. Yeah. Holmes is yeah. gonna exterminate the clan. Clanicide. Go anywhere other personally. Yeah. yeah. I would absolutely love to read that. But yeah, no, so basically the story just ends with, like, Holmes, uh, is gonna avenge this guy. He, he sends, he, he finds out how, who, um, who was personally, who was sending the, the, uh, the pips, the warnings uh-huh. to, because of ship ledgers and stuff yeah. like that, et cetera. Research. Yeah. And, and then he, uh, he gets an orange from like his fridge. Joke. They don't have fridges yet. Um, as far as I know, they have the underground train. They might have fridges. Who knows? <laughs> If they did, Doyle would have put Mary in one. They have unbreakable fucking tires. So he gets an orange. Yeah, and unbreakable bike tires. Um, and so he gets an orange from his own pantry, rips it open, like, squeezes out the yeah. seeds, and then jams them into an envelope. Exa- and it's like, alright, I'm sending this to this guy from SH, from me, personally. <laughs> the same message sends it off. Yup. Just to put the fear of Holmes into this guy. Yep. I... Loved that so much. I totally forgot yeah. about it. I love, I love irate Sherlock Holmes just like yep. angrily digging the seeds it's out of so a fucking good. orange going, ha I got him, pissed. fucker. Yeah. And Watson just watching this like, oh damn. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. All right, and cool. so he sent that off and then kind of they're just sitting around waiting for like him, for waiting to hear back about this guy. And then of it and they, nothing really happens. They don't really hear anything. And then one day they just like, read in the newspaper that the ship that the guy uh that the guy whose name was john captain john calhoun of the the ship the lone star uh and the lone star was found there was like bits of its wreckage found floating in the ocean so holmes never got his revenge but like god personally ended this guy like doyle was just like all right i don't really know how like i think i feel like doyle sensed that there was so much more yeah could have happened that he just didn't have time to write about yeah. and was like i divine intervention you know like anyway that was like but that was the impression i got but i i still like was like all right cool yeah two things you know. on that first thing i actually text you just before that happened and i said that i've gotten really yeah. good at telling when yeah. a sherlock holmes story is about to end because i ask myself would i be really mad if this story ended right now <laughs> <laughs> and then i was <laughs> and then you were and yeah, so the ocean murdered these clansmen, and now we know Poseidon yeah. hates racists, and also the way that the clansmen made their horses wear those stupid sheets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one one of the weirdest things about mm-hmm. this story is how yeah Watson sets it up to be really fucking bizarre, and then it's not. And yeah. I wonder if it was weirder. It was in a, like in the late 1800s when it was written. I feel like you know the fact I mean? that Watson doesn't know who the clan is kind of right. just insinuates that the general population of England who's going to be reading these stories don't really know. Yeah. So it's kind of like the Mormons in Studying Scarlet where it's like you don't know enough about okay. them that you can make them just like Correct. just hearing about them is whack yeah. because you don't have 
Google. You know, there's no Victorian Google. So that okay, average yeah. person is not going to be like waking yeah. up and reading on Twitter about like what the clan's up to today in England. You know, it's like they just don't get that news. That is correct. So, and I actually have research yeah. to corroborate that and explain why. But before, before we get to research time, there was one thing that made me really happy. Research time. Holmes did his research and he found out that there was a ship called the Lone Star, which he knows is one of the United States nicknames. And so he made those connections. He said he knows <laughs> yeah. it's a state's nickname, though, quote, I am not and was not mm-hmm. sure which. <laughs> which is fair! And then Watson's like, I think it's- <laughs> And then Watson says, Texas, I think, and Holmes says, I don't give a shit. He's like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a million of them shits. Well, okay, gentlemen, I would like both of you to field a guess. It, by 1890, how many of the United <laughs> States do you think there were? Now, keep in mind, this is post... 26. Okay, 26, Nicholas? You said that so confidently, though, I don't even want to guess. In 1890, how many states do you think there were? Uh, this is post In 1890? War? Um, civil... Okay, um... Yeah, I don't know, 16. 16? In 1890, Maybe. there were 44 goddamn states in the Union. Oh, I... Yeah, yeah. All so right. like... Thanks, Christian school education. For real, yeah. <laughs> the only land we learned about was the promised land. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, a lot of states. That's fair. <laughs> um, I couldn't tell you the nickname. Yeah, no, understandable. For like a Yeah, like the only, the right. only state nicknames I know are like New Hampshire is the Granite State. I only know that because of Breaking Bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then there is, of course, Colorado, uh, or the Duero Delf. So, research. Um. The what? So, research. <laughs> the reason is that a Casey joke? The reason that the clan nonsense <laughs> is that a real thing? The fucking what? The reason what? that the <laughs> and also <laughs> Oregon, where the shadows lie. <laughs> okay, so Casey, you being fucking weird the clan again? Actually, Oregon is wait no. Washington is the Bigfoot state. I'm pretty sure. I don't care what Washington actually is. I live there. I still don't know. It's the Bigfoot state. They love Bigfoot here. I've been here a year, and I just have seen so many Bigfoots. Bigfoot propaganda. Everyone got Bigfoot stickers on their car. I. This is not a joke. I was not prepared for the <laughs> Washington's pro Sasquatch agenda. They love. Have you Bigfoot. made love okay, anyways, to a Squatch? So, yeah. The reason all this clan shit would be so weird, and like, this is one of the things I, I've really enjoyed about these stories, and that keeps coming up in our show, is how wildly different our perspective as American relative youths, like, you know, we're, we're young men, but we're not young, young men, you know what I mean. Um, well, some of us are young, young men, some of us are Nicks. This is actually my eighth lifetime. There you but... go. You're, you, yeah, <laughs> you fucking trill motherfucker. Um, so. Yeah, I'm like 300, but go on. The British slave trade, okay, here's, I really like this guessing game, uh, context here. So, when do you guys think, cause I didn't know this before I looked it up, when do you guys think Britain abolished slavery? Because we don't get taught about that shit. Um, I'll take... Oh, it's got to be way later than it... Britain? Than it's comfortable, um, right? I'll take early 1900s for 500 Okay, hours. early 1900s, Dylan? Oh, no, this is going to make me sad. I'm going to say 1917, after World War One. 1917? Okay, reasonable guesses. <clears throat> The, uh, let's see here. Britain abolished slavery 
1833. A full 30 goddamn years before the United States. They abolished- Good on them! They abolished the slave trade in 1807. They started shutting that machine down a full 60 years before the United States did. Wow. Yeah. Good job, England. Well done. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I mean, because they're so much older. I mean, kind of shitty of you to have started it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) And and anti- Good job realizing the mistake. Anti-slavery sentiment had been brewing since, like, the the 1780s, and it, it finally came to a head- uh, and yeah, they, they just freed like, uh, it, was, it was like six million. It was, it was a lot of people. It was way too many damn people. But yeah, mm-hmm. so, so yeah. that was in 1833. Two full generations have passed since then and the publication of this story. So the idea of a terrorist group, because that's what the clan are. Oh yeah. A murderous terrorist group going around killing people obsessed with specific racisms uh, would be very foreign and very exotic to these people. At least in that specific... Mm-hmm. I mean, England still to this day right. is hella racist. It is not a good time to be from one of the places they conquered in their history, even that, even now. Right. But, like, yeah. so that was... Uh, it, it, it made more sense knowing that, that they wouldn't know who the clan were. And also... Okay, yeah. Like... Yeah, I appreciate that context for sure. It's such an American thing... And, like, again, I didn't really want to do too much research on the clan if I could help it, but, like, they they definitely yeah. tried to establish chapters in other countries, but this really clashed with their, like, America first message. Yeah. And most of, most of the, most of the splinter branches were, they just either dissolved or were absorbed into local hate groups, or, in the case of the German branch, just simply became Nazis. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah! Yeah. The natural progression. That's not a joke, but I wish it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that's what happened. Yeah. And some of them are still out there. That's fucking wild. Yeah. Um, Holy and shit. I, yeah, and I wondered, and I did a little reading. <laughs> America have been the bad guys the whole time. Uh, we're not sending our, we're not <laughs> sending Scooby- our best people. It's that Scooby-Doo Oof. meme where he takes off the knife. It's like, America, it was you the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or, that, or like that double yeah. Barney holding a gun on himself. Spider-Man meme. Yeah. Okay. So, Fucking uh, America fighting the yeah, Nazis. Just the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> just... <laughs> yep. So uh, another thing I did some research on is uh, like what international knowledge of and feelings regarding the American Civil War were. Because we tend to think of the American Civil War as being this very self-contained mm. thing. Not the case. No. no. Uh-uh. So, Britain specifically is just what I had time to look into. Like, the British were were torn, the British elites, like the aristocrats, um, predictably sided with the Confederacy, because of course they did. And the common folk supported the Union for, like, religious and moral reasons. Like, when the anti-slavery sentiment started brewing in, like, 87, it was specifically religious people, like Quakers and Protestants, saying that Mm -hmm. this is not correct on a spiritual level. Um, But, like, the reason that the the average working man (laughs) in England was, was supportive of the North is because they felt threatened by slavery. They thought that if the South won, slavery in England would be reinstated and, like, 
all of their jobs would suddenly be snatched up because they could suddenly have people who didn't have to get paid to do them. That's yeah? fucking insane. <laughs> History is a circle. Yeah. <laughs> That's some, it really is some dark shit. And like, as the documentary CSA, the Confederate States of America taught us, like, slavery is, once you get to anything resembling the industrial civilization level, it is completely unsustainable. It's not uh, efficient. It's not something that can be kept up for any length of time if you want to get your society past even a basic... No, yeah, you just have to start paying like, poverty yeah. wages and ensuring that people can't uh, rise out of their own situation. Yeah. Exactly. Make sure they're shackled with debt for their entire lives. So how it worked was the Confederacy was apparently depending on military aid from Britain and France to win the war, but... The Union said, hey, England, you know how we cool right now? Well, if you help them cats out, I am going to declare war on your ass. And also, you can't have any of the millions of tons of food I regularly supply you with anymore. Also, you're a yeah. tiny island. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> America got a little big for its britches. Well, it did, but it worked. Yeah. Uh, England said, I'm gonna hang back here. Uh, you guys can sort this out on your own. France, for their part, were apparently trying to imperialize in Mexico and Central America at the time, yeah. which, uh, is why we now have the great, you know, great and glorious Franco-American <laughs> Empire down there, I sure. guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it turns out the French, the French were involved in a lot of weird places in history. <laughs> They were. And also, like, for all the shit the French take, you know, W slash R slash T being, and here I quote, cheese-eating surrender monkeys, like, historically, their military has been terrifying. Oh, yeah, no, the 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 French are the only reason America exists. Uh, Exa yeah, 100%, 100%. All ups to Marquis de Lafayette. Like, yeah. But, the, like... Like, Napoleon Bonaparte is a name everybody fucking knows, and you only kind of know why you know that name. Like, that motherfucker yeah. conquered mm -hmm. the known world. He really did. He Alexander the Greated, like, three or four times over. Yeah. He was, he, he was big, big deal, man. And, like, the only reason everyone thinks of the French as being the French is because, like, their own country was betrayed from the inside to the Nazis. And I think one thing we can all agree on, uh, like, ain't no shame <laughs> yeah. in that. <laughs> like, Oh no, it's... losing losing to the Nazis is like, you know, losing to Galactus. It's like, fuck, yeah, everybody fucking mm. lost to the Nazis, dude. Like, mm. everybody fucking lost. Like, we won that yeah. war, we mm. still kind of fucking lost. Yeah, for we real, lost we're still feeling the repercussions yeah. of it today. Yeah. yeah. And also, I like the implication uh, you just made via the transitive proper there, that since Squirrel Girl has beaten Galactus with the power of friendship, uh, she could beat the Nazis. With the Of course. Of kicking them in the face. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, she would not beat the Nazis with the power of friendship. No, no, no. I feel, I feel, I feel safe in saying that, no, Squirrel Girl would... Yeah, no, she would, she would punch all the Nazis till there were no more Nazis to punch. Yes. So, that's about all I have to say, gentlemen. Uh, Dylan, what did you, what did you think of this story? I... didn't remember what it was about before I went into it this time. You picked a good uh, yep. one, man. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Like, I, I, all I remembered about it was that it was about, that it was the first Sherlock Holmes thing that I had ever read. Um, 
that it was real as fuck. Uh, and that I didn't understand why it was, why Watson called it weird. And like, yeah. I had a vague recollection of like, m- a mention of the KKK, but I thought it was a red herring. I thought that this story was like, oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's not. Yeah. But that, but it actually is. So I was, I was very surprised. Uh, and I don't know. I like this story still because it, it's, it handles its subject matter really, really well. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's really easy to be very ham-fisted about how much we fucking hate yeah. Nazis and the KKK, right? Mm-hmm. Boy, do I not envy Conan Doyle's position to like, have to write about this thing and kind of go, <laughs> ah, like, where's, where's the light touch and where do I, like, straddling that line. Right, like, absolutely. Good yeah, job, Conan Doyle. You did that. Blatant, like, yeah. Obvious, yeah, yeah, you know, like making them scary and serious enough, but without having it be so dark that it's just like, oh, you know, this, like, this story's a huge downer, basically, yeah. but it's like, you know, the bad guys get punished, and that's what fiction Right. Because, <laughs> and, and, to be fair, part of that is because he sort of glosses over telling the audience, like, right. all yeah, the bad no, shit it's the a KKK very is up to. Spark Notes version of <laughs> so, right. their, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what, do you know what I noticed about this story that's a little mm-hmm. frustrating to me, honestly? Uh, it's, it's really well written, it's a good story. This is a Raiders of the Lost Ark situation. Because think about it, if Sherlock Holmes hadn't done anything, if the story didn't involve Sherlock Holmes at all, if John Openshaw had just found the the what's-it and just decided to accept his fate, he still would have ended up dead, those gentlemen still would have gotten on that ship when they did, the ship still would have been lost at sea. Yeah. And I don't know what that means. It's, yeah, it's it's weirdly unsatisfying for a Sherlock Holmes story. Yeah. In that there's not really a conclusion. Yeah, and I guess that's... Which which goes back to what Watson says at the very beginning of like, there are all these stories that I don't tell you where Holmes doesn't win, but then he presents us this story where Holmes didn't Mm -hmm. win. I mean, it... Yeah. yeah, It's like, it ends satisfyingly from like, as as a story, as a like, okay, you know, the mysteries... Mm -hmm. Like, we right. find out who did it, and then they're punished. But, yeah, definitely not from, like, a... Like, there's so much more that could have happened that would have made it way more interesting that just... That, like, mm-hmm. the short story format didn't provide for. Yeah. And, I don't know. Uh, there, there's some amount of, of Holmes being mm-hmm. an action man. Like, he's a boxer mm-hmm. and a fencer and all this, right? Like, it... Watson even goes on the long list yeah. of things that Holmes is. Uh, Handsome. But there's very little that actually happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, dude turns up out of a rainstorm, tells a wild fucking story about the clan, yeah. dies. It's like That's murder. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we're, as we read more and more of these, we're, we're coming to realize that, that there are a couple of archetypical Holmes stories, and like... Nothing happens, and someone tells us about a thing that already happened, and then the story right. ends is one of them. Yeah. Like, and Holmes, Holmes goes and does shit, and it's awesome, action, cool, is another kind. And like, the first one of the, the first one we read where nothing really happened, and all the information was stuff that already happened, The Noble Bachelor, was not bad, but it wasn't great, because everything had already happened. And this is a good example 
of how to do that story yeah. shape yeah. well. Like, even though this guy, even though 80% of the story was this guy standing there saying, look, this is all shit that's mm-hmm. already happened, it was still engaging. I was still invested. Yeah. Uh, it's still... Arthur Conan Doyle has a really good grasp of... Uh, Nick, I think we talked about this in the... Um, yeah. Speckled Band story. For a Briton, he has a really good grasp of, like, the southern gothic kind of, he like, prairie does, yeah. terror feel. Because just, like, this this guy out in his house in England in the middle of nowhere, specifically mm-hmm. because he is paranoid of being murdered, and just, like, flailing at nothing because there's nothing to grab onto, and he's just shooting yeah. his gun off into the yeah. mist saying, yeah. I ain't scared of you fuckers. And uh, it, it was an insanely paranoid story. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we know that Doyle was a fan of Edgar Allan Poe, who was an American. So, obviously, he... Or, I mean, like, I assume right. he read a lot of his other stuff besides his detective fiction. So, he was, if not if not super familiar right. with actual real-life American culture... I mean, he was familiar enough, but at least he was familiar with American right. fiction, you know? That style definitely yeah. influences... I, I never really made that connection that's kind of cool yeah well and this is this is another story kind of like the last one we read where i kind of would have liked to see joseph openshaw's perspective or mm-hmm. elias elias rather the the bad guy who ends up murdered i think it would have been if it wasn't a short story that had to be like 12 pages max or whatever i think it would have been great to have the paranoia of this guy getting this thing, he knows what it is, we don't, we're just looking over his shoulder, and like the the escalating tension of, of him knowing he's being stalked, and then Sherlock Holmes comes in later. Dylan, you seem <laughs> to disagree, or so says the shaking of your head. I think that that would have been a really fun Edgar Allan Poe story, in that it would have been Fair. fucking gripping and terrifying, but also, yeah. he's a fucking Klansman, <laughs> he shouldn't be in the story. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want his fucking perspective. That's a point. <laughs> don't really want to get any more into his head than I need to. <laughs> that's yeah. a that's a point. Like I, I do tend to forget that. Like when you have hateable characters, your your mm-hmm. uh your Gull Ducats and etc. Like, even in order to hate them, they have to get screen time and attention. And in a way, like, even if a character is presented in a story specifically to be hateable, like that screen time or page time or whatever is kind of a validation of that character. Right, it's like if you show them enough, they're going to risk becoming sympathetic to the audience, in a way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's just how humans work. Humans see a thing, and we look for something in that thing to identify with, or to like. Because that's... Right, it's like, oh, but they have a pet cat that they like, you know? It's like, okay, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Because that's the only way we can mitigate the incredible (laughs) existential horror of being alive, as people, (laughs) is to... Yeah. Like, Dylan, Nick and I were talking the other day about how universal translators work in they, Star Trek. <laughs> Answer, they don't. And, like, <laughs> we, we got to talking about, like, how memetics as an information transmission system is inherently flawed. And, like, the fact that humans can communicate at all when there's no way for us to verify. Like, Dylan, if I say the word sandwich to you... The the idea is that it conveys a specific image. You and I are thinking of two completely different sandwiches right now, I like, and there is yeah. no way to I've know. I've got pastrami <laughs> up here. Yeah, uh, I've got a, I think a spicy Italian probably going from, from nice. somewhere. It's a nice yeah. salami and pepperoni. Wait, Casey, are you serious? What? Are you, Were you serious? Thinking of a- I'm literally thinking, I'm thinking of the spicy Italian from somewhere. Okay. Like, 
Except mine is, like, cartoony looking with a little olive on a toothpick, which Subway doesn't do. But my brain just decided to, like... It doesn't, but it should. Give me that. Yeah, that's whack. Okay, you know what, then? Never mind. (laughs) My faith in memetics is restored. It's a perfect information (laughs) transmission system. Well, and, and that's, that's one of the really, really interesting things about the, the turn of the 21st century and how the internet has changed how people communicate. Mm-hmm. We, we even devolved on this pot, this very show into discussing links between ideas and image macros, like internet memes. Oh yeah. And smile.gif. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and how those have transformed the way we talk about and think about and absorb and and deal with ideas. Yeah. Like, it's fucking wild that I can say, you know, the Spider-Man meme, and yep. we all have exactly the same image in our, bra- in our brain. Yep. Well, yep. what's interesting, mm-hmm. Dylan, is when you said yeah. the Spider-Man meme, the first one that popped into my head was the snap from Enter the Spider-Verse, where Miles Morales is sitting there... uh you know, chin hands watching oh, yeah. Peter Parker do something. So it's it's still, even though it is a very elegant, like streamlined method of communication, that is, it, it does rely upon its specificity for its efficacy. Like when, uh, like Dylan, when you when you text me that you really like something and you said that is just Chef Kiss GIF, like mm-hmm. it, it expresses the mm-hmm. meaning quite elegantly and powerfully, but, like, I don't know what fucking chef kiss gif you're talking about. Right. It could be any of a number of them, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter which one in particular. Exactly. But it mattered for the Spider-Man mm-hmm. one, because Spider-Man chin hands Miles Morales and Peter Parker is different than Spider-Man Spider-Man Jacuz, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah! Oh, this is so good! Mm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> study in memetics. God. Well, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Dylan... As our guest, would you like to choose a random number between uh, 1 and 54, determining what we'll read next? Um, yes, assign us oh our boy. fate, Dylan. Okay. Um, <laughs> how about number 27? Okay. Because it's directly in the middle. Uh, nope, turns out number 27 is Charles Augustus Milverton, because I have not updated this list in a while, but I'll delete that, meaning that... Whoops. <laughs> Sorry, gentlemen. Um, yes. Nice uh, meaning that number 27 <laughs> is now 1904's The Six Napoleons, because synchronicity is real! Ooh, this is a good one. That's fucking wild. <laughs> yes! Every episode of this show is connected thematically and spontaneously. It does it on its own. It's so good. Oh my gosh. That was great. We also went from five orange pips to six Napoleons, and I just chef's kiss. Chef's kiss dot give. <laughs> what this episode the was both fuck is happening? Chef kiss dot gif. Oh. It, that's that nuclear wrench working for you. <laughs> this episode was both blessed and cursed at the same time. Dylan, you bring such a chaotic energy to this otherwise already pretty chaotic part. Very orderly yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> this this episode had real big nuclear wrench energy. <laughs> God. Okay. Uh, it's it's England, I believe it's called a nuclear spanner. Uh... <laughs> Self-sealing okay, stem listeners, bolts. Uh, we have gone very long. We uh, indestructible all... nuclear bolts. Yeah. Well, okay. Di- 
Here's the question. I, I Here's like, the question. Yeah. Wait, if a nuclear wrench <laughs> like came up a... against an Openshaw yeah. indestructible tire, who would win? Tire wins. Tire, tire wins? wins. It's unbreakable. Like the tire, yeah, yeah, the it's right in the name. The wrench might be nuclear. <laughs> the tire is unbreakable. Okay, there you go. Un- it's a real Kimmy yeah. Schmidt of a tire. Yeah, there it is. All right. <laughs> well, all my buddies, uh, this has run so very long. Um, we all have wives and lives and cats and hives to get back to. So, um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I think we're gonna Nick. I think we're gonna have to have Dylan on again at some point. What were you gonna say, Dylan? <laughs> yeah, Dylan. Nick doesn't have a wife. That was, you know, I, I have a wife. <laughs> I know you were like, we all have, we all have wives, and I was like, where is she? What? <laughs> Since when? I <laughs> look. I was trying to refer to Scout with more formality than usual. <laughs> Don't marry your cat. That's weird. Uh, Scout. Fair enough. S- Scout is my daughter, actually. Yeah, no, you married I regretted, your daughter. No, I regretted that joke the instant I made. But, no, yeah, no, Dylan. <laughs> That's why I said hives, <laughs> so you can go the part of the trill. Oh, my beehive. There oh, yeah, is. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there we go. God. So, listeners, <laughs> please... <laughs> I'm so sorry, Casey. You, no, I you're not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> listeners, feel free to at us. You can find us at the final podlum. We've got a bunch of really cool listeners who uh, tweet really insightful analyses at us uh, that we enjoy oh, quite yeah. a lot, actually. You can I find us it. on Facebook. Um, as of this recording, we are still on the Semi-Automagic Inc. Master Podcast feed. We should be getting our own in iTunes as Someday. soon as we say please enough times. We don't really know what the process is there. Uh, but you can come see us and say hi. You can listen to Dylan and myself and uh, his Mrs. Christina playing Dice and Virtue Dungeons and Dragons over there. And uh, you can listen to Nick as he sits there and listens to the wind of the forest listening for Bigfoot sign. I'm going to catch that guy. You're going to. One of these days. Yeah. Well, I'll all our buddies. Give him a big old hug. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say catch him and become world famous as Master Cryptid Hunter, but that too. Yeah. Obviously, it begins with hug. Uh, you know, you have to gain their well, trust. Well, obviously, and... yeah, you have to, well, yeah, you have to give him agency in the I'm process. Not gonna be keeping him in a cage or nothing. Otherwise, like, I'm an you're, asshole. Yeah. I mean, how are you different from a clansman then? Yeah, obviously. Exactly. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, we've, put rights. we've, we've never nailed how to end this show. <laughs> Dylan, why don't you take us home? <laughs> Thanks for listening, all our buddies. We'll be back again next week, as we always are. Um, I won't be. <laughs> Casey and Nick will be. <laughs> as we always are, except when we're not. Yeah, I'm not going to be back. I got Thanks shit to do. To the- <laughs> Thanks for listening to the final problem, Bigfoot Rights. Thanks, all our buddies. We love you forever. Good night. Good night.